Hello, I'm Sean Gilligan, and in this week's episode, I'm going to talk about learning difficulties. It's probably fair to say that when I was younger, I was a late developer. And at primary school, there was a bunch of kids that used to copy a clever guy called Martin Gavin. Of course, like Chinese whispers, the further you were away from copying Martin Gavin, the worse the results were. And I was definitely at the end of the queue. I eventually left St Anne's Primary School in Keithley to attend the Holy Family Catholic Comprehensive School, which was only at the road and was within walking distance of our house. My lack of progress at primary school was compounded when my dad, the deputy head teacher at the school, started looking at the grades for my year group. Page one, no Sean. Page two, no Sean. Page three, where's Sean? Yes, I was in the bottom 5% of the year group and much harder work was needed. Maths and English were not my forte. In fact, my reading was so poor I had to go to Mrs Devlin, a family friend and teacher up the road from our house High Lodge. I guess you could say I was lucky having such a family friend to help me. The truth is I really struggled to read. My reading age was below average, so I used to go to Mrs Devlin's to read books out loud and to practice. The inability to read does not just affect English, but has a negative impact on other subjects in the quest for knowledge. Thankfully, two subjects at secondary school got my attention, science and computing. They energised me to learn more about computing, particularly helping me drive forward my coursework in other subjects. Myself and my friend James Shackleton got so good at computing that teachers would ask us to do desktop publishing for lesson plans on dinner times. Acorn Archimedes computers were popular in school at the time and myself and Shacky turned this into a hobby, regularly attending a computer club for Acorn enthusiasts in Denbydale in Wakefield. A combination of being good at science and my interest in computing meant my coursework for most subjects was really good and this helped me achieve a set of GCSE results that many of my teachers and peers would have not deemed possible. When I got my five A's, four B's and two C's, I was so happy. I remember running home as fast as I could to tell my mum and seeing her face full of joy still sticks with me to this day. Hard work pays off. It's not just about being gifted and talented. For me, talent is 90% hard work. My A-levels went less well. At 17, I discovered the red pig on Church Green in Keithley and I probably didn't get on very well with the biology teacher. Selecting three sciences, physics, chemistry and biology was a step up and I scraped my way into the University of York. York University was about one hour away from home, which made it close enough to get back in an emergency and far enough to be away from mum and dad and their beck and call. University education is under a lot of pressure in the UK. What is the return on investment? Does it help with employability? In my opinion, it's not just the challenge of a university degree in completing this, it's the life skills and the new people you meet from different parts of the UK. These formative years shape you as a person, and for many people, it's the first time they're living away from home. James Hobson, a chap from Manchester, ended up being my lab partner for chemistry labs. Although James was very intelligent and was great for copying lab scripts from, he was the clumsiest individual around, bar none. Two experiments in labs stand out and went horribly wrong. Firstly, when capsaicin, the chemical which causes hot sensations in chilli peppers, was syringed onto my lips. Another mishap involved a small amount of liquid nitrogen at minus 200 degrees C dropping on my head. It felt pretty cold. And there was more drama to follow as my degree reached its penultimate stage. Returning back from a mad day out at Flamingoland, an adventure park near Moulton in North Yorkshire, I awaited my degree results. 
walking through the covered walkways at York, I arrived at the chemistry department anxious to find out how I had done. To my dismay, I had been put in a pool of five students to undergo a viva. My overall result was 59.9% on the 2-1-2-2 borderline. During my time at York, I had managed to push my grades from 50% in year one to 55% year two to 59.9% in year three. The next day, the chemistry department library was closed off for the vivas. I opened the door to my viva to find four extremely old and clever professors of chemistry ready to grill me. All four professors seemed to focus on my blind spots and weaknesses, asking questions ranging from atmospheric chemistry through to the dreaded organic chemistry. The end arrived and I knew I hadn't done well. I'd already spilt my glass of water and walked out of the library, slamming the door behind me. My gut feel was right. Out of the five students taken to the Viva, the other four had been graded up and I had been graded down. I ended up with a Desmond Tutu and my hopes of getting on a graduate scheme were diminished where a 2-1 was needed as a minimum expectation. Graduate schemes not being an option, I started to troll job boards shortly after leaving York. I soon discovered there were a real lack of opportunities for chemistry graduates other than in the chemical industry hotlands of Runcorn, Middlesbrough and Hull. In addition, there was generally a lack of opportunity for graduates as most employers wanted at least one year's commercial experience. In order to differentiate myself in a crowded market, I started emailing companies speculatively out of the yellow pages. My earlier failure and lack of love with chemistry labs had led me to get rather good at computational chemistry. The internet bubble was just starting in the late 1990s and I thought I would pursue a career in web design. My first interview was with a company called IMS who I believe to be located in Bradford but was actually based off the headrow in Leeds. The interview started in the lift. I'd accidentally bumped into the big boss Ian Holding. I started with a brief elevator pitch mentioning my cousin, who'd done quite well for himself in journalism. TeamTalk.com was a top 10 website in the UK and the number one fanzine for football fans up and down the country. I got the job on a temporary basis, starting off with a few days a week before Christmas, and then I was made permanent. TeamTalk had 50 journalists, the sports director Ian Holding, a commercial manager Mark Woodhead, and the webmaster Stuart Trower. Stuart was a keen rugby union fan from Gloucester and taught me lots in my early days. However, I often had to hide behind my monitor as friction arose between Ian and Mark and their demands not being listened to by Stuart. This was not how to do customer service. Over time, the internet bubble continued and IMS decided to demerge TeamTalk from IMS. The website was demerged from IMS for £80 million and we moved to plush new offices in Wellington Street in Leeds. Not only did we relocate offices, but I started to learn how to program web software in the newly formed company and I was sent on a programming course down to Victoria in London. The training course certainly made me feel valued, but our trip down to London was interesting. This was before the days of sat-nav, and we ended up paying a taxi to lead us in the car to Victoria. We might have been good programmers, but none of us were Boy Scouts, and our map-reading skills were atrocious. I've been Sean Gilligan. Thanks for listening to this episode on my learning difficulties and my learning journey. I hope you found it interesting. If you've enjoyed it, share on social media, do subscribe. And until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now.